Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Tuesday. Ohio State is about to be back on the practice field for spring practice number three. That's Bill Landis, and I'm Austin Ward. We will both be there, and we'll hear from Ryan Day later on this morning. Uh, but until then, we're going to do a little math, maybe. <laughs> That's not really the strength of this show. Last week, Ohio State confirmed and uh, released to anyone who wanted it all of the Ohio State coaching staff's uh, updated contract information, whether they got new deals, whether they got raises, whether it was an entirely new thing. Um, we got our hands on that. And we talked about it on ohiostate.rivals.com. You can join there uh, right now for free if you want with a code DTE30. And the conversation was robust, more so than maybe I thought it would be because mm. we didn't think about talking about it on the podcast daily last week. Um, and you were like, you know what? We probably should do that. There were a lot of people with questions. So I'll ask you, what was the first thing that you thought when we got our hands on that? Yeah. Welcome to pocket watching on the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, There were were a couple things. Um, I think maybe most like generally the amount that Ohio State's assistant pool like has grown in the last even... This is Ryan Day's fifth year, right? If I'm not mistaken, going mm-hmm. into his fifth season. That's right. Uh, it is $2 million more than it was when he started, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot of money to people. Uh, I think it is a lot of money in the context of we're talking about a program that was so reticent to pay assistant coaches a million dollars, and now they have $5 million assistance. And last year, they led the country in assistant coaches pay. I assume that if, they're, if they don't lead it again this year, they'll be right up there near the top with over – nine million dollars uh paid out to his assistant coaches so like that that's kind of where i started like the 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 idea that ohio state has suddenly become like so aggressive in that space when arguably they were lagging behind for such a long time relative to the other power programs in the sport um i think is an interesting position to to find them in at this moment yeah i've used that as one example out of a handful that i know that there are fair criticisms to be made of, of Gene Smith and the athletic department, and and we've pointed those out over time. But it also has to be said that Ohio State has shown a willingness to adjust its approach, whether that's financial or otherwise, but in this case related specifically to paychecks. Um, as you said, you know Greg Schiano really broke through that door at the million-dollar mark as a coordinator, and it was treated as this massive deal, and now you have – uh, a cornerbacks coach and Tim Walton at that same level. Like that's not a game that Ohio State wanted to play a decade ago. And Gene Smith was reticent about participating in the arms race, and that meant facilities, and that meant coaching salaries, and and upgrades to the horseshoe and everything. And it's it's done all of that now, and you can see the value of that consistency with the staff uh, from the perspective that there are not guys leaving for lateral jobs, not without promotions, uh, and certainly not without massive pay grades. I, I think like something somebody asked about Corey Dennis was like, well, this amount of money like seems like he would want to leap for somewhere else. And I looked around. So, well, okay, where's he going to go? He's, compared to other quarterbacks coaches, not paid as well as some others on Ohio State's staff relative to their position, but he makes double – or even triple what a Mac offensive coordinator makes. So is that a position, you know, or a, a job that he wants to leap at? If he truly thought that that would advance his career more so than being 
a quarterback's coach at Ohio State, then you'd have to give up that amount of money to do that and pursue that path. So Ohio State's made it, and Gene Smith has helped make it where coaches do not have to look around to either advance their career or their bank account. And that's that's good, I suppose. Like I, I don't I don't um I don't get too up in arms about like the money that's thrown around in college football because like, you're just like screaming into the void. Of course, there's a lot of it. I wish the players <laughs> got more of it. Um, there's not really much I can I can do about that. So like if Ohio State is is expected to be competitive, then then this is one of the ways they have to do that. Um, my my question then is, you have the largest assistant coaching salary pool in the country. Are you getting the most out of it? Hmm. And and I I don't know that they are. And like the idea that uh, it'll sound like picking on one guy, and I don't I don't mean it to. But what exactly has Tim Walton done to become a million dollar quarterback coach? Um, and I I don't have it in front of me. I don't have access to the USA Today salary pool to see if there are other position coaches who really aren't coordinators. Um, making that kind of money. I'm sure, I'm sure there are how many I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but if you're paying a million dollars to someone to coach the quarterbacks, then they better be the best quarterback coach in the country or, or in that conversation. And maybe someday Tim Walton will be, I don't think he is just yet. Um, there's probably some projection baked into that, that you think he will get to that point and that's all well and good. Um, but that's like, if, if, if my if thought one is, boy, Ohio state is really up the ante with how it's willing to pay assistant coaches. Then thought two is, there has to be a result from that and that it's coincided with them, like taking a step behind Michigan and they haven't won a national championship since 2014. I don't know. Like those two things don't add up to me. I feel like one should go hand in hand with the other. And at the moment it's not. Yeah. I think Tim Walton found himself in a situation with a, a lot of leverage in that you can look at last season and we can talk about the injuries that that group was dealt with and the inexperience and the low scholarship numbers. Why, it may not have performed like the best group of cornerbacks in the country. And I think that that is certainly fair to point out. And I also think it's fair for people to question that and say, well, how do you get that level of raise coming off of that one year if the results didn't quite match that? Well, there, in Tim Walton's case, and some of this I'm going to be assuming, but we heard that there were teams at the NFL level that would be a landing spot if he wanted to go back there after one year. If he didn't like recruiting, if he didn't like the grind of college coaching, you know, he was going to have that in his hip pocket. And then the concern there, the secondary concern for that Ohio State would be then yet again trying to replace a cornerbacks coach, which that's become the defense against the dark arts position for <laughs> Ohio State and the Woody, just a, a revolving door. And that's not good for the cornerbacks. You're asking about, you know, outside of the program, where's the development? How? What's the fundamentals like if then every new guy is teaching something different and you have that go on for five, six, seven years in a row, like you're not going to get any better at what the other people are teaching you if you have to go back and learn another new technique. And I'm not saying that it's that complicated that everybody teaches cornerbacks a different way, but that is a, a notable change for people that are trying to develop at that position. So Ohio State was fighting against two of those things and Tim Walton had a lot of leverage. I don't know that he used it. But I would suspect if you got a million dollar uh, contract out of it, you probably did. Yeah, it was a three hundred thousand dollar raise, um, which is like it's a that's a lot of money um, for coming off of uh, a guy who's you know has does not have a super long track record of being uh, one of the top college coaches. Now, like he he does have like prior coordinator experience. I know 
Um, and Cleveland.com reported that that he got a passing game coordinator title. Um, that is not in his contract. It just says assistant head coach or assistant football coach. But um, they did toss him a fancy coordinator title. Ohio State has a lot of those going around. Um, <laughs> I, I a lot. Um, I I do I do agree, I do agree with you that like you I, I understand like paying for continuity and and they have not that that position in particular cornerback has probably been the most impacted by a lack of continuity more more impacted than any other position right so since 2017 it's been like it was Kerry Combs in 17 then he left then it was Tabor Johnson in 18 then it was Jeff Halfley in 19 and then Kerry Combs came back for 20 and 21 and now it's Tim Walton like that's a lot of turnover at one position mm-hmm. um and Kerry Combs at the time too was like trying to be a coordinator I don't even know how like actually hands-on he was with the cornerback so um, if you're paying for stability, I, I get that. And and also, too, like these players seem to really like Tim Walton. Um, I know I mean, I personally, I think a lot of fans didn't feel like they saw a ton of results at that position. And for long stretches of the year, it felt like the the, the vulnerable point of the defense. Um, but I do think there is something to be said for how coaches or players seem to respond to coaches and, and to a man. All these cornerbacks seem to really like him. Um, he did OK in recruiting. I, I wouldn't give him an A in recruiting in his first cycle, but. Um, Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson hunts a pretty good two man class, but they, they lost two commits too. So I don't know. It's just, it's just odd to me like that. That was not the season where you come off like, Oh yeah, 300 K no problem. Let's, let's give it to him. <laughs> and, and it's not that like, I don't, I don't care personally what Tim Walton makes. Like I don't good for him. Like he got the bag. Congratulations. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of when you, when you are willing to allocate resources in the way that Ohio state is, are you maximizing them? And, and sometimes with these, like, the, the Tim Walton thing, like bringing back Parker Fleming on a two-year deal and giving him a raise to half a million dollars a year after, a, frankly, a bad year on special teams. Like, I don't I don't get that one either. So it's not it's not the amounts of money that are being thrown around. It's like sort of, I don't know, the, the, the results that don't quite match up with that money, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, based on the feedback we've received. We had already, a month ago or so, you know, we reported and said that Parker Fleming was getting a new deal that it was going to be half a million dollars. We talked about that then, and uh, I don't know that we have anything different to add to it, but that's certainly been the one that has drawn the most amount of ire from the fan base who's looking at that and doing the back of the napkin calculations. Like, this guy's in charge of special teams, and he's occasionally, you know, pitching in with the defensive backs, and they can't execute a fake in the rivalry game. They thought that they did and fixed it in the peach bowl it would have been would have been or should have been called back for a penalty with or without the timeout you you know miss a key field goal you don't execute as well as you want in the you know kickoff game or they still don't have a punt return or a kickoff back for a touchdown you're like well how are you getting five hundred thousand dollars worth of value out of that and i don't i don't know the answer i also don't have to decide how, how much everyone should make and how much ohio state is willing to put into that overall kitty. But as you're saying, when you're looking and comparing this position, that position, experience, tenure, whatever else, recruiting success, some of these are a little bit hard to figure out in your brain. Yeah. I don't like Perry Liano is making like half of what Tim Walton makes, which is odd to me. Um, it's also on a side note, odd to me that Perry Eliano is not Ohio State's cornerbacks coach, but uh, I tried to, <laughs> I tried, I tried to address that with Ryan Day when, when he made those hires and he didn't really answer the question. So, um, I guess just, that's just how things are. Um, well, what's Sauce Gardner doing at the next level? I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't awesome or anything like that. Um, and, and he has a, 
um, I'm tr- how many uh, position coaches here have coached individual award winners at their respective position? Because I know Perry Liano has, <laughs> or at least the position he used to coach. Um, I don't know that that's an odd, that's like an odd number to me too. Um, like Keenan Keenan Bailey is like making like the standard like first year assistant coach like whatever. That's I don't really have any issue with that. Um, I thought Justin Fry getting a bump to a million dollars was interesting. Uh, he he was hired at eight hundred thousand, um, so it wasn't as as large of a bump for him as it was for for Tim Walton. And Justin's got like a new run game coordinator title. He was like, what was he, associate head coach for offense last year? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's not that now. He's the run game coordinator. Uh, we'll spin the wheel and see what he is next year, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's another guy, Indiana like, who, head coach. Yeah, Indiana head coach, I guess. <laughs> like, I thought he had a fine first year. Um, I, 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 again, I think the recruiting like left a little bit to be desired. So like, I don't, I don't understand that, that allocation of funds there either went like, if you could have taken, uh, the, the money you paid to Tim Walton and the money you paid to Justin Fry to give them a bump. And then they'll like, I don't know, go hire the best special teams coordinator out there. And like maybe a guy who happens to have a defensive background in coaching too, that to me would have felt like a much more, uh, reasonable allocation of those resources than, than what has been done. Yeah, I think that's that's the hard part of looking at this because not everybody did get anything other than, you know, standard cost of living raises, I guess that we'd call them. That's 3% mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Like Tony Alford got that. People asked asked why. It's like, well, there's only so much more you can give to somebody who's he was third in the country in terms of running back uh running backs coaches assistant pay last year. So He's already paid as one of the best in the country. How much more do you want to throw at that position? You know, he's he's been pursued by pretty much every powerhouse program in the country over the last three years, which is how how we wound up with this sort of raise in the first place, or to get to that level, it was seven hundred and seventy five thousand or so, uh, seven hundred seventy two thousand five hundred. Excuse me. Um, you know, uh, you don't. There's a there is going to be a ceiling at some point. You're not going to pay every single assistant a million dollars, and like again, what places is he? Can he reasonably go at that point? The other 128 schools are not paying the running backs coach that much money. We know he has aspirations to be a head coach, but even Mac schools are eliminated from that conversation unless you truly want to be a head coach because he's making more money than they do. Like mm-hmm. you know, so they, a lot of these guys aren't going to be unhappy with that amount of money. How could you be? And so I, I don't know it just look at it on paper and it's kind of staggering and there's so many other ways that you can evaluate it. We could spend all day. We shouldn't, but you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what's the best way to put it together. I agree with you. I think what you're saying, like, I'm not sure that this is the very best way you could spend $9 million. And that's not to pick on any single one person out there. Ohio state has a staff full of really good men doing good work who their players like playing for. And that's that shouldn't be dismissed out of hand. That's valuable in of itself. But I think you can look at, if you had that same amount of money, are there other people who, I don't want to do this, are not 70 years old, not on the downside of their career, who weren't out of contract, and what and bring them back for another one point one million dollars for another and with another one year deal. I just don't I don't really understand the justification for that part because of the amount of money we're talking about. 
it's not, we're not talking about a Mac school and somebody making a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, on the way up in their career, we're talking about a program that trying is trying to win a national championship each and every year. And you're talking about seven figures for that position coach mm -hmm. that I have a hard time with it. And I don't fault anybody for taking the money. Same thing you said, and I'm not trying to pocket watch either, but that's like, if you're evaluating the program and how much you're spending, I, th you should probably be getting a more notable return on it. Yeah. I think, I think that's the overwhelming thought for me. It's like, cause you're, you're right. I think the, <clears throat> uh, do the players like them? Do they fit well with the culture? Um, do they carry forward the head coach's messaging, that kind of stuff? Like all that, all that is important. Like, I don't want to dismiss any of that. Um, are they like, I don't know, genuinely good people and not the human pieces of garbage. <laughs> and the high <laughs> doesn't, IIC doesn't have that going on either. These all, like you said, they all seem like stand up guys, but, um, the results I think are the, are the bigger part of it. And, um, I don't, I don't know if they're getting that at, at every place they're, they're investing at the moment. They're getting it from Brian Hartline, who's making 1.6 million this year. And I think, uh, like I don't even want to use words like deserved, undeserved, but like that to me is a worthwhile investment and and a number that you probably have to pay to keep him on your staff. He got head coaching interviews this year. Um, he was, I'm, I'm sure, received overtures to to be an OC at other places. Um, I do, I do find with him. I'm curious your thought on this. The money won 1.6, which is more than they were paying Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson made like 1.4, maybe a little, just a bit north of that. Um, and the term is is three years and I, I but i think that goes back to last year too um so he didn't sell like a, a new three-year extension but he is under contract through the 2025 season which is longer than these contracts typically go usually they're just two-year deals um does that tell you anything about the play calling stuff like the the investment there that maybe maybe this is more likely to happen with him this year than perhaps we give credit i don't know well, I guess I do know. I mean, if Miami is trying to hire Brian Hartline to be their offensive coordinator because they think that that's going to allow them to recruit South Florida better, then you ha that's a, a ransom that you have to pay to keep him on your staff, as you said. But could you have done that for less for somebody who's at their alma mater? I would think there's a good chance of that. Um, but if you're going to build that in and bake that in that, that Ryan day wants to be more hands off, you say, well, and we're going to give you some additional play calling responsibility. Then if I'm Brian Hartline's agent, I say, well, yeah, okay. Well then that means that this number is going up because Kevin Wilson didn't do that as the primary right. voice for the offense. So like, we're going to thank you for the leverage and the free extra money. Like, I think that's, that was, you know, a lot of these guys in this situation, if you're looking at the numbers, what's. How does that, how do they get to that point? It's because they had the stronger leverage and Brian mm -hmm. Hartline has that. Like Tim Walton appeared to have that. Justin Fry, I think when you talk about him going to a million, I think that he has that, had that as well because you're not going to start over on the offensive line again. Again, he wasn't, I don't know that his situation is different. I'm not suggesting he was going to leave, but he, you know, he could if he wanted to. So, and I think that he would have been able to get himself in the mix for head coaching jobs right now if that had been his desire at this point. So all those guys had the ability to go sit at the table and say, well, what are you going to do without me? Mm -hmm. And I think in every, in almost every circumstance here, Ohio State would say, we don't, we'd rather not go down that road. And especially they did not want to do that with Brian Hartline. So in that circumstance specific, you give him whatever you want. And I don't think that he 
pressed Ryan Day into giving him the play calling duties. I think Ryan Day was trending towards that already. But that had to be part of the conversation if you're putting together contracts. That's just the way it works. You have to know what the job description is. And I'm I'm pretty I'm reasonably confident that he will call the plays this season, despite whatever they go through and who calls it on Saturday and what the spring's like and all that stuff. Like I don't think that they could have had any of those conversations in the offseason. And be like, you know what? Well, we're, we'll figure that out in September. I don't think mm-hmm. so, because somebody else is going to say, come down here and be the offensive coordinator right now. We know you can do it. And then, yeah. Then what? I think, I think that and, and this commitment to him pushes me more toward, toward that thinking as well. Like I, I was, I'm probably a, a little more skeptical or was a little more skeptical of him taking it over this year. And, and who knows what taking it over looks like, right? It might be, a tandem deal with him and, and Ryan day this, this first year is Ryan. Cause he's never done it before. Like I, I, as, as sharp as Brian Hartline is, I'm sure he's, he's not afraid to admit what he doesn't know. And, and I think he will need um, maybe not help a little guidance in, in, in taking over this new role. Um, but the fact too, that it's like three years and not a one year extension or whatever um, leads me to believe too, that like long-term the vision is for him to be the guy to, to, to call the plays sort of, in a solo capacity eventually. So, but this is, this is, it's a little more, frankly, than I thought they were going to give him. Um, like he's earned it. He's the best recruiter at his position in the country. And I, I tend to believe he'll be good at calling plays because he's been good at everything else he's tried. So um, it's interesting though, like that, that they ponied up that much money for him and more than like Kevin Wilson, who is a, like has a pretty long track record of being a really good play caller in college <laughs> football and a former head coach. Um, and now Brian Hartline's making more than he was a do. I guess not, not the same job entirely, but same title. I think the length of that contract also gives you some breathing room. If you're Gene Smith and you think, well, maybe there's some circumstance where Ryan day gets whatever something happens whether Mm -hmm. deciding to leave, deciding to that he's done dealing with NIL don't just walks away, whatever, any circumstance, fill in the blank, whatever you think it could be. You have a three year window where potentially Brian Hartline would still be already on the staff, uh, can give you continuity, could potentially take over at Ohio state. I don't know that he will, or he won't, but I know that he's in a pretty strong position to do so now since he's already here. And by the fact that you pay him for that, that now you have his loyalty. It's not a one-year deal. You're not going to be facing a salary negotiation, a contract negotiation every year or every other year. You know, maybe that maybe that's part of the thinking. I don't know if it is or isn't, but I know that there's no no scenario where Ohio State wanted Brian Hartline to leave and doesn't want him to leave anytime soon. Yeah, and I don't I don't. I really don't think he's going to. I don't. I just don't know what that opportunity would look like at this point. Um, unless it's like I don't know. I guess the NFL. Like we've talked about that before. The NFL does seem enticing to him. Um, but if he's going to have play calling duties, he's making a more than comfortable salary. He's at a place that he likes, a place that has um, shown a commitment to him. Um, I think they're pretty well well positioned there. So they have a an offensive coordinator who's making 1.6 and a defense coordinator who's making basically $2 million. Who would have thought we'd, uh, we'd get to this point. Uh, somebody mentioned like looking at all those deals and how much they were making. Like, how is that all that Mark Pantone makes? And what was, what say, was his number? It's like just over two, right? I don't, I'd have to pull yeah. it up again. Um, and I would say to that question, you're right. 
especially now with the importance of the uh, general manager position overseeing both recruiting and the transfer portal. Uh, he is one of the most important people, uh, not just in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, but for a national title contender. That makes him one of the most important people in college football. And it's I know that that would be a t- that's that's probably the next battle for Ohio State if we dig deeper into this, like paying the support staff, you know, your your Quinn Temples, your Mark Pantones, your CJ Barnetts, and then their staff underneath that, your video people, graphics people. I think that's probably the one spot where Ohio State is certainly active in it, but I know for a fact that their pay to those to that level people below the full time you know, 10 assistants and and Ryan day is lagging a little bit behind. And there's been Mm -hmm. a lot of turnover there. Um, you know, even just last year, Mark Pantone brings in somebody, Zach Grant loses him after one year, uh, to Cincinnati. That's not really the kind of spot that that's not happening to the full-time football staff. Uh, the assistants, they're not losing those people, but that is happening at the level below that. And if you're trying to enhance that continuity, that may be a spot where that's the next place that Ohio State has to look to like up that investment. We're not talking about NIL or any other things. The, the people that are you know professional staffers in there, that's the spot where there's probably room that that has to be uh, reached. Yeah, they don't have like an army of analysts. They 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 have a more robust analyst staff certainly than they had like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have like the the Nick Saban uh, polishing school, or whatever whatever he does down there for uh, f- uh, recently fired head coaches. But um, they could probably they could probably do more there. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to have a conversation with Gene about like how much wiggle room there is for that, given how robust the full time assistant salary pool is. But yeah, they could probably do more there. And I'd also too like I I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like this is under. I don't want to confuse people. The money comes from different places. But there, there is a apparent like difference in mindset too with how they approach, you know, salaried coaching positions and how they approach NIL in terms of how aggressive they want to be. And maybe that's because there's not enough money for them to be as aggressive as they want to be in the NIL space. I don't know what that is, but juxtaposed uh, next to each other, they are kind of strikingly different in approach. I don't unless maybe you disagree with that, but that's that's one other thing that I thought about when when seeing these salaries. Yeah, that's a whole nother uh, can of worms to kick over. I think you're right, uh, but I think we've probably reached our limit of financial. <laughs> you don't want to expertise. talk for you don't want to talk for forty more minutes about that. <laughs> uh, I I do, but that you know we we try and keep the podcast daily more manageable for your morning commutes or wherever. I don't know how everyone listens to it, but I know that they don't like hour-long versions of the podcast daily so (laughs) we won't give them one of those we'll have more uh, coverage coming from the woody later on on tuesday uh ryan day is going to speak um uh, again as i mentioned two practices this week and then the scrimmage on saturday so we'll have full coverage of that at ohiostate.rivals.com and on the podcast uh the podcast daily for wednesday we'll have burn back we'll break down everything that we heard from ryan day and what's next for ohio state after spring practice number three But that's a wrap for this one. That's Bill. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast daily. Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you later.